the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. Thursday, January 4th, 2024. Coming to you live from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio. Brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. I am Seth Leibson. We have Mr. Bill. We have David Dahl, my producer. And uh, I think I've seen Terry walking around here somewhere, ambulating, perambulating or ambulating, David, 602-508-0960. It's always been bothersome to me how much cleavage there is between December and January. December is about a bit of stress, finishing out the year, but culminating on high notes of celebration, familial, religious, and with the new year, heterodox congregations. And then, especially in even years, January comes with a storm or several storms. Here at home, we have election season upon us. And as much as we united only weeks ago around God, faith, family, and friends, we rush, it seems, to see how much we can divide ourselves all over again around interpretations of God, faith, and between and among friends. Several things can be concluded from this, most obviously. One, either peace and camaraderie and tranquility and concord are not human defaults or humans' default. Those beautiful things are wonderments, rare, and need to be worked on and worked for. They are aberrational, not our default. Two, we actually delight in and enjoy strife. And thus, here we are again in the domestic frenzy, Racial charges and allegations over education in the university and La Affaire Claudine Gay, who, let us know, could have avoided all her controversy by simply taking a stand against the chiriveries against one particular ethnic minority. Political fights and recriminations heading toward the primaries and the Super Bowl of politics, of course, this November. And in the world around us, war. Almost everywhere. Europe, the Middle East. Asia, Africa. Man, Aristotle tells us in the first book of the politics, quote, when perfected is the best of animals, but when separated from law and justice, he is the worst of all. Since armed injustice is the more dangerous and he is equipped at birth with arms meant to be used by intelligence and virtue, which he may use for the worst ends. Wherefore, if we don't have virtue, he is the most unholy and the most savage of animals and the most full of lust and gluttony. But justice, he says, is the bond of men and states for the administration of justice, which is the determination of what is just, is the principal order of political society. Man, when in consequence with the moral order, is the best of all animals, when separated from it, is the worst. Man's inclination towards evil, as Reinhold Niebuhr put it. That inclination is powerful, which is why we need teaching and reminders all the time, including civilizing institutions like church and education and family, what some may call the cultural auxiliaries or others may call cultural 
necessities. Of course, all of these are at great discount and in great decline, in some cases as in church and family formation at their lowest levels ever. To say the condition of our education or education system or even just teaching is solid would be to tell a lie. I was thinking about the news of the last few days abroad, and it's war. It's everywhere. Pandemonium, if we are serious. And not just conventional war, brutal war. During the Cold War, particularly in the 1970s and 1980s, you would see posters and bumper stickers of an Albert Einstein quote attributed more than documented that went something like, I do not know with what weapons World War III will be fought, but World War IV will be fought with sticks and stones. Elsewhere, it was reported that he said World War IV would be fought with spears. It was a quote meant to dissuade the nuclear arms race and always against the United States, by the way. The point Obvious. Nuclear war will be so devastating, so civilizationally destructive that we would be returned to an environment of cavemen. One recalls Curtis LeMay's phraseology of bombing our enemies back to the Stone Age. One looks around the wars being waged now and realizes barbarism, savagery may already be with us, not requiring the explosion of a nuclear device, almost as if we're already at the use of tools, Albert Einstein described, would come only after a nuclear holocaust. Read in the New York Times last Thursday how Hamas attacked Israel on October 7th, and Hiroshima, aside from scale but not enormity, becomes an irrelevant exemplar of horror. One thinks of Christopher Hitchens saying that bombing the Taliban back into the Stone Age would be an irrelevancy for Afghanistan as the bombings against the Taliban were to explode it against its well against its will not back out of the Stone Age, but into it. Who thought there could be something worse than the torture in the name of religion that was practiced there in Afghanistan as a matter of routine and policy? Who knew it could sit adjacent in Gaza to one of the most advanced countries in the world? Who knew there would be American college students and others defensive and supportive of it? And who knew there would be such blindness to those practices, only two or three clicks less decomposed taking place as they are in the Shenzhen province in China against the Uyghurs, or by the Janjaweed Arabs in Sudan against the Africans, or the forced expulsion of hundreds of thousands of Afghans by Pakistan. Sometimes the ineffable violence is committed by a group identifying itself by a religion, sometimes a culture, sometimes an ideology, sometimes one against the other, as in the Arabs against the Africans in Sudan, or the communists against the Muslims in China, or the Muslims against the Muslims in Pakistan, or now Iran. Heart of Darkness Torture as Policy Evil Receiving the Countenance of the Just Who Needs the Violence? that precedes sticks and stones, or spears. It always stood as an irony to me that there was a body designed to stop and prevent all this. Designed is the operative word, but it became a body that perverted all this, perhaps beginning at the very beginning, with the placement of a nearly 12-foot-tall statue given to and in the Garden of the United Nations. It is A bronze of a man with a sickle and a sword titled, Let Us Beat Swords into Plowshares. 
It was a gift of the Soviet Union to the United Nations in 1959. That's what it says on the statue, by the way. Let us beat swords into plowshares. It does not have the verse from Isaiah from whence that title comes or references to other parts of the Bible one can find similar verses. It also struck me as ironic. The statue came from a country among whose organizing principles was that religion, quote, is the sigh of the oppressed creature, the heart of a heartless world and the soul of a soulless conditions, an opium of the people, close quote, Karl Marx. The man who officially and ceremoniously gave, ceremoniously gave that statue to the UN in 1959, Vasily Kutsinov, served as deputy to Khrushchev, deputy to Brezhnev, and as interim head of the Soviet Union at various times throughout the 1980s, ushering the Soviet government through its depredations against its own people and others between your Brezhnevs and your Andropovs and your Chernyenkos. In other words, the statue is representative of the same lie the United Nations itself has become, given by a country that kept the heart of darkness in the world beating and when slowed on life support, promoting a verse it never believed in and was constitutionally designed to rid the world of reading, from a man who presided over the raising of swords rather than the creation of plowshares. Yet people cite to the United Nations for credence and wonder how evil can yet exist, even as they condemn the decent and good while ignoring the very evil that would horrify them were it in their city or neighborhood. Man, when in consonance with the moral order, is the best of all animals, when separate, is the worst. It seems to me, given all the personal undertakings of resolutions we make this time of year to better ourselves— self-improvement, we should think just a moment, too, about what the point of bettering ourselves should mean. It can be a selfish thing or an altruistic thing, and there is little point in self-satisfaction or improvement, I think, if it ignores the very things civilizing institutions in such disrepair as they are now in were designed to improve. All our conditions, moral as much, if not more than physical— That thought, it seems to me, is what will get us closer toward an end-of-December point of view, mood, and culture that lasts, rather than a January point of view, mood, and world that continues to ignite and conflagrate. I'm Seth Liebson, 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, coming to you live from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. There's a lot going on in the news. Um, Yesterday, when we spoke of the twin bombings in Iran at the uh, burial site and um, gathering over Qasem Soleimani, uh, the United States uh, denied involvement And the Iranian officials, of course, stampeded to blame Israel. And what we were pointing out yesterday was kind of interesting, I think, historically at least, not distant history to a lot of us who were around at the time. But it was that kind of violence, that kind of set of explosions that was not taught to the world by Israel. It was taught to the world by Islamic terrorists. Indeed, Hezbollah's first calling card 
1983, killing 241 Americans. But a group has claimed responsibility for the pair of bombings that killed perhaps 100 Iranians yesterday. And the group that has claimed responsibility is the Islamic State or ISIS or ISIL. Do you remember that organization? Do you remember that group? Sunni terrorists. Sunni terrorists are claiming responsibility. There's no good way to say this except that obsta principis be where first judgments and first thoughts and know that when we use that phrase heart of darkness the old Joseph Conrad novel's title to later describe the kind of thing Alexander Solzhenitsyn wrote about or other Soviet dissidents or SKPs or refuseniks wrote about to describe Soviet communism as the heart of darkness. There is another heart of darkness going on right now. It's in the Middle East. It's in the Middle East. And just as there were people marching against the United States in the United States in the 1980s, there are people marching against those that are the forces of liberalism in the Middle East today and on behalf of the forces of that darkness as represented not only by Hezbollah and Hamas and the Houthis and the vector, the hub to all those spokes, Iran, but also ISIL, which we shall not forget. Nor shall we forget how ISIL was created. Nor shall we forget how ISIS was created. And I don't mean deliberately created, but created by the mis- and malfeasance of Barack Obama and his administration in dealing with Iraq. And do recall well, please, what Barack Obama's first words about ISIS, now ISIL, were when asked about any concerns he may have had about them. Mr. Bill, who I'm looking at, remembers them well. He just drew them in the air. We tend not to worry about JV, junior varsity. Oh, so cool, Mr. Obama. Why do we listen to anything this man has to say? Why is he considered some great intellect? Did he get something big right? Did he get something big right? He knew how to win— an election, we won't take that away from him. He was a phenomenal political campaigner. But is that not to confuse means and ends? Is it not to confuse the megaphone with the speaker, so to speak? Name me one big thing this man got right. Or name me, are we still dealing with the suffocations of liberalism and the impoverished and the immiserated on whose half you would on whose behalf you would have thought a community organizer would be sympathetic Iran is a perfectly good example of it as well never mind ISIS ISIL Iraq never mind that how about Iran how about it 
his first year in the presidency. He snuffed out and suffocated a rare, perhaps once-in-a-lifetime, organic revolutionary movement. No one wants the United States to support regime change abroad, especially after the experience in Iraq. And so Iran had, the Iranians had this brief shining moment in 2009 where without the United States, young people rose up against the malocracy in their revolution and Barack Obama shut it down. Four words, we will not meddle. Four words, we will not meddle. We weren't going to help them with finances. We weren't going to help them with communication devices. We weren't going to help them with moral support. We weren't going to help them with resolutions in any world body whatsoever. We will not meddle. When you don't meddle as between the team with guns and the team without the guns, you can pretty much predict what that outcome will be. It's not as if Barack Obama was opposed to meddling as a, as a matter of philosophy. For meddle he did with our allies. Meddle he did with Egypt, ousted our ally there. Meddle he did with Israel. Meddle he did with Honduras. All with our allies. That he would meddle. And so today we are still facing a worsening heart of darkness because of the malocracy in Iran. Again, name me one thing we should listen to Barack Obama about. Name me one thing. In any event, call back to yesterday when we reported on the story and no one had taken credit, claimed credit for those explosions, if that's the right word for it, claiming credit. Claiming credit for mass deaths. Think about that. Think about what it means to take credit for mass deaths. That's the enemy we are up against. That is a heart, literally a heart of darkness. That is a dark heart. It's a dark heart. There are other dark hearts. They're not all abroad. There was another shooting today, another school shooting today, this time in Iowa. We'll say something about that when we come back, too. And I'm here for your call, 602-508-0960. Be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. A caller reminded us of something. Yes, I'm sorry to be heavy, uh, so heavy up front um, in setting the table. Uh, but a caller reminded us that um, part of maintaining an end of December point of view might also include keeping alive the memory of the joy of it. And we never checked in with you, young David, on something we talked about before the break, which seems months ago now. No, I'm not telling you about my Christmas presents. (laughs) It seems like months ago before we left for the New Year's Eve holiday, doesn't it? Am I wrong? Yeah, it sure does. It was a busy weekend for me. Yeah. yeah. And you, we made sport of you for an... You you made fun of me. Yeah. Because I went around the office pretending to be Clark Gable. Yeah. I was hoping that would end. <laughs> well, it went away along with my mustache. Which we're all very happy about. How was the party? <laughs> oh, it was wonderful. I I was uh, I had helped 
planet, mm-hmm. as you know, it, it, it had been several weeks in uh, in planning. That would explain my Everyone non-invite. Came okay. In costume. Mm-hmm. Oh, you were invited. No, were I was invited. invited on the day of. Yes, and you're afterthought. You're welcome to. Well, yeah. Go on. Admittedly, your connection with the birthday guest. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Sympathy invite. Go Sympathy on. invite. Go on. Without well, we anyway, had, tell us about your time. Oh there. my goodness. What was the bill of fare? Was it a fun time? Uh, well, we had raclette. Oh, you had that. That. Mm-hmm. That. You mean that ski lodge, beautiful, wonderful, tasty yeah. indulgement? Yeah. It's what Don Rickles called his children, the raclettes. Go on. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Um, we had a we had a raclette. It was uh, was it great. all fun? Yes, it was wonderful. Okay. We all dressed up. We we had a script. The murderer was discovered. Our host died. I lit fireworks out in the parking lot. Okay. Gosh, I put a post up on my Instagram, and if you don't follow me out there in the audience, you ought to. It's at Answer the Call with Doll. If you want to see the pictures, they're really well done. Everybody was in character, in period attire. We had uh, scripts. We even had somebody on Zoom from France. It was did anyone take as seriously their character as you did? Oh, people took my, their characters much more seriously than I did. Who was really good? Uh, people, I mean, there were people there whom you don't know. <laughs> no, I, I know that, but I mean the characters they played. If you were Clark Gable. Oh, okay. So, I mean, for example, in attendance, we had a Winston Churchill. We had a Hercule Poirot. We had Churchill a, would be hard to do. Well, Poirot, actually, was, not so much. It was a lady playing Churchill. She well, was, that would she be was hard. a lady Churchill. She called herself Winnie Churchill. Okay. And uh, we had an aged starlet. We had a Lucille Ball. Whom else did we have? A Was the Lucille XGIs. Ball good? That could be fun. Yeah, of course. You know, in the 1940s, Lucille Ball would have just been getting started. Yeah, but still. Um, we had a very young Audrey Hepburn. She was the killer. Huh. Yeah. And it was all done by random. We had a couple uh, aviators, an engineer. Oh, we had a Colonel Mustard straight from the Board of Life. Oh, nice. <laughs> Not Board of Life. The game of, oh. No. You're right. What is it? Um, Clue. 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 Life. Uh, <laughs> board game. Came out of, board game. Out of the, came out of the box. Okay. Uh, good, clean, fun. Mm-hmm. And yeah, good food. It was all good, clean, fun, and raclette, which you need to little, have. Little Don and now I have the raclette maker. You can't get on a high and mighty horse about me not having had raclette yet when you didn't know about it two months ago. I didn't know about it. You're right. But now that I have a maker, I will get on a high and mighty horse, and we'll get you to come over and Bring it into the audience. There's a rumor Sam Stone is bringing gingerbread later, which oh, is really? a wonderful thing. Gingerbread. Ooh. Not gingerbread Don't spoil my dinner. cookies. Not gingerbread men. Gingerbread. Yeah, but it was just a great Which weekend. Which is hard to find. I wish more bakeries had gingerbread. There are few things that are as good as warm steaming gingerbread with hot melted butter on them. I could eat it every day, and you cannot find it. You cannot find it. Sam's bringing it in homemade from a friend, I think. It's what he said he promised. It's what he promised. Yeah. We'll hold him to it. But at least he's not bringing hot dogs. No, that would be Presumably wrong. he would have eaten them before coming here. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That would be, you do not bring hot dogs. We did this yesterday. Mm-hmm. Also, my friend Dimitri made a good point. A hot dog is not a sandwich. Oh. It's hmm. important that we keep these nouns straight. It's important that it, we fight the good fight. It, it, the, the miracle of the proper noun needs to be maintained. We're ruining nouns, which is a ruination of human reason, which is a ruination of our ability to communicate. If I tell you... 
a hamburger, for example, is a sandwich, we're ruining understandings of what a sandwich is, as we are ruining what a sandwich is by thinking a hot dog is a sandwich. It isn't. Mm. All right. We'll be right back. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at the Midas Gold Group. The MAGA veterans at Midas point out that the Federal Reserve note does not belong to you. It belongs to the Federal Reserve Bank. While the federal debt doesn't belong to the Federal Reserve Bank, it belongs to you. It's your wake-up call to what the Midas Gold Group veterans believe the central bank and government are trying to do, a controlled demolition of our current system with a central bank digital currency to take complete and utter control of our transactional freedoms, a prison replete with social sanctions. Protect yourself. Turn this wake-up call into a phone call to the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group at 480-360-3000 or check them out at MidasGoldGroup.com. It's 480-360-3000 or MidasGoldGroup.com. Always faithful, Midas Gold Group. MAGA and proud of it. Young David, what else did you want to say for yourself before we moved on to graver business? else? New Year's resolutions, anything like that? New Year's resolutions. Well, a couple days ago, you asked me what books I'd like to read on New Year's, and I'd like to know what books you'd like to read on New Year's if your resolution is to read books and what your resolutions are. (laughs) I got them out of me. I don't know what yours are. Do you have any books? Uh, Well, I hope to, and I have have them all. But my goal is to read every everything Chandler. Oh, really? You know, some people. Go to God with their New Year's resolutions. Raymond Chandler, you're going to Yes, I went straight to the the seedy side of Los Angeles. Why? Just because you wanted to read that? (laughs) Yes, I'm I'm interested. I like those. I've read Farewell, My Lovely, which was made into a movie called, no, Murder, My Sweet, Dick Powell. Um, But I haven't read anything else of his, and so I've already started. I'm hoping to read all of his books. Would you give us a a book review seriatum once you finish them? book review for the entire the entirety of it? Well, I have a feeling it's not going to be that many. One by one? Count me. Color me cynical, but I have a feeling we're not going to get that many. Oh, but you don't think I'm going to read all of them? I'm guessing four. Four? Well, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Prove me wrong. I don't anyway. care either way, but just tell us about them. I also would like to read The Day of the Jackal. Oh, really? And that recommendation came to me from William F. Buckley. Okay. That was one of his favorite books. Apparently. Was it really? Yes. Uh, so I got a copy from God friends awful, at boring movie. You don't like that movie? Oh, boring. Oh. I think it's very interesting. Of course Great you use do. of silence. Of course you do. Great yes. use of yeah, silence. Great use of silence, exactly. <laughs> Not exactly what you go to the talkies for. Oh. <laughs> um, speaking of talking, there's going to be a debate um, in Iowa that CNN is hosting next week, I guess, already. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy will not be there. And I, it's unfortunate because he's entertaining and smart at times. There, that he's he gives and he takes. You know, sometimes he can be, um, to quote Byron York, a real jerk on the debate stage, <laughs> and sometimes he speaks about things he doesn't know much about. I can give example after example on that. But sometimes when he does, he really does. In other words, it's what someone. Well, the comparison doesn't fully work, but it's like what someone said about Winston Churchill once. When he's good, he's great. When he's bad, oh my God. So a Washington Post reporter was asking Vivek Ramaswamy two days ago in Iowa about his opposition to DEI. And as I think it was Miranda Devine on Twix put it, nobody does it better. Nobody does it better. I have to play it for you. 
I'm not I'm not going to recite some catechism for you. I'm against vicious racial discrimination in this country. So I'm not pledging allegiance to your new religion of modern wokeism, which absolutely fits, fits the test. I'm not going to bend the knee to your religion. I'm sorry. I'm not asking you to bend the knee to mine, and I'm not going to bend the knee to yours. But do I condemn vicious racial discrimination? Yes, I do. Am I going to play your silly game of gotcha? No, I'm not. And frankly, this is why people have lost trust. And I know you're going to go print the headline tomorrow. I already know this. We already know how your game works. Vivek Ramaswamy refuses to condemn white supremacy because you asked a stupid question. The reality <laughs> is I condemn vicious racial discrimination in this country, but the kind of vicious and systematic racial discrimination we see today is discrimination on the basis of race in a very different direction. You want to know what the best way is to end discrimination on the basis of race? Stop discriminating on the basis of race. Do that and we're going to move this country forward. And I don't care whether you're black or white or brown or anything in between. That's how we're going to unite this country. You people have been responsible for dividing this country to a breaking point, creating a projection of national division. I meet people from the south side of Chicago to meetings like this one of every shade of melanin, multiple from man to woman, doesn't make a difference, who are hungry for reviving unity in this country. And you, with your catechism that you try to get to politicians to whatever fake headline you're going to print on the basis of this conversation tomorrow, that's what's dividing this country for a break, to a breaking point. Shame on you. Look people in the eye and tell them what you've actually failed to tell them for the last five years. Own the accountability for your own failures as the media. That's how we rebuild trust in this country. And until then, I don't have a lot of patience to play the games. To the Washington Post. God love that. I could listen to that every day. Everyone should wake up to that. <laughs> Everyone at every newspaper in America should wake up to that or make – I mean that is just I, – I don't know anyone who could do that better. I don't know anyone. And speaking of, by the way, this fascination with places like the Washington Post continually harping on the race, racism in the Republican Party and trying to get these candidates to say something about white supremacy or DEI. Have they looked at this Republican primary and who's being considered as a running mate? Have they looked at Tim Scott? Have they looked at Nikki Haley? Have they looked at Vivek Ramaswamy's, and to use his phrase, their melanin? Have they looked at any of this? You know the answer. And it's, it's, it's the hypocrisy built right into where they stand. Because you know, you know what? This goes back to something I hated in the early 1980s. I hated it. It was this notion that there would be no war and the world would be a better place if women were leaders. And someone would say and raise their hand, um, Margaret Thatcher. Or someone would raise their hand and say, um, Jean Kirkpatrick. Someone might, ra might have raised their hand and said, um, Golda Meir. And do you know what the left said about them? Do you know what the left said about them when those objections were raised? They're not women. They're men. They're playing a man's game. They think like men. They think like men and act like men. They denied their femininity. They defied their gender, their sex, because they didn't think the right way. It has nothing to do with these stupidly, arbitrarily assigned characteristics because the left thinks that race and gender should determine thought. Not that it does, but that it should. 
which is quite a place to end up after the Nuremberg trials, I should think. Quite a place to end up. So they will look at Nikki Haley, and they will look at Vivek Ramaswamy, and they will look at Tim Scott, and they will say they aren't represented. They will look at Larry Elder and make him white. The black face of white supremacy, L.A. Times editorial. They are not only hypocrites, but as Vivek Ramaswamy put it, they are doing great damage to this country. And the minute we can get past that nonsense and stop using racism to achieve ideological ends is the day America will fulfill her true and original destiny. Portions of this show brought to you by the good people at Y-Refi. They have a great investment that really empowers you with a ton of flexibility. You're in control where you can turn your income on or off. You can compound it whatever you like. Peace of mind. No attack on principle if you ever need your money back. There are absolutely no fees. Of course, you get a monthly statement with no surprises. And you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return with Y-Refi, 10.25% fixed rate. And it's not correlated to the vicissitudes of the stock market or the Federal Reserve. Secure collateralized portfolio from Y-Refi. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com. Mr. Bill is visiting because he said he had a knit or two to pick with me. Hello, Seth. I'm here to convince you to start using the term X as Elon Musk intended. Why? Well, he paid a lot of money to get that platform from Jack Dorsey. We certainly don't want to honor Jack Dorsey. Um, I know your main argument, I, I think, is that X sounds strange to say you X'd something. But 15 years ago— Or my X. Sure. Well, yeah, X is already used in other things. Yes. But 15 years ago, tweeted and Twitter were just weird words that came out of nowhere. 20 years ago, you'd say, Te- I texted someone? That doesn't sound right. So— just usage will solve that over time. And again, we do not want to put over Jack Dorsey. We want to put over But Elon the problem Musk. is it's not coming in a vacuum as Twitter did, as texting did, as Amazon did. What were your other examples? They're, they, they, were, they were de novo neologisms in and unto themselves that we all learned. The problem here is that to X has already been taken by multitudes of various expressions. I can't talk about my X. I can't say I X'd something. I can't say I read an X because it already means something in many, many different ways. On top of which, no one else will play this game, Bill, because every time it's referenced everywhere I go, it's part of this conspiracy to make everything longer than it needs to be. They will say on X... Open parentheses, formerly known as Twitter, closed parentheses. Oh, now and, you're making my argument. Just take away the parentheses, or part. just or use X, the, the X, Bing, Bang, Boom. Or well, they, but they but they won't. Yeah, you need to go sit down with the Washington Post and the Arizona Republic and the L.A. You need to go. You need to have a lot of meetings to get this working. I better start making the rounds. So I had an idea, and maybe it's transitional. Maybe it's trans- transitional. Let's use the portmanteau that is sitting right there as the low-hanging fruit for us, Twix. It gets us used to it. Twix is already taken. And it's already taken, but no one eats refined sugar anymore. It's the only candy bar with the cookie crunch. But the only way people know that is from Seinfeld, not from the candy bar. Nice to see you, Bill. Good to see you, Seth. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.